Hello, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us on the Affiliated Podcast today. I had the privilege and the pleasure to speak with Nick Coates, who's a master of CRO. And those three words are going to change your business. And Nick shows us how, whether it's going from six figures to seven figures, seven to eight, or you just want to have a business that's going to last more than nine months, you got to give this podcast a listen because he gives you the tools on how you're going to be able to do it. Hey, Nick, thanks so much for joining us today, man. Super excited to talk to you. First off, how was your drive in? Everything good so good, far man. Today? Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate good. it. Good. Yeah. Well, um, so for those of you who don't know, Nick actually is uh, from like a legacy ClickBank employee, but has moved on much bigger and better things. So he's a very familiar face for us around here, at least for people who have been with ClickBank yeah. more than like yeah. a year. So it's good to be back. Yeah. 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 Um, but today we're actually going to be talking about something that I think is super important and honestly, I think we identified it's one of the biggest differences between a company that just kind of gets an offer and disappears and one that becomes huge and massive, whether it's going from three figures to seven to eight figures and beyond. Um, and especially companies that can ride through changes in the market and are around for a long time. And those three letters are CRO. So that's really what we want to talk about today mm -hmm. um, and, and focus on it. Honestly, this is a really relevant thing, not only just for, for big companies or people that want to go from small to big, but I mean, just to survive a lot of headwinds. Uh, you know, you mentioned before that essentially all the traffic that you buy and pay for right now, a year from now, is going to be more expensive. Yep. On top of that, you have changes like iOS 14. Um, you know, the next update is probably going to impact people negatively in some way, shape, or form. If you're a small online marketer, that's just the things that we're seeing. Mm -hmm. um, and so being able to really optimize and make sure you're getting the most performance out of your funnel is just more critical now than it ever has been. And it's yeah, always been really Absolutely. Critical. It's absolutely true. It is so critical. I think that, you know, to, to win in today's competitive landscape, and as you mentioned, it's only getting more competitive, you have to be firing on all cylinders. Like I think gone or, or waning are the days where you can pop up an offer, have a, have a real big winner on your hands and then set it and forget it and, and not do much with it. You know, you got to really, really work every single piece of that real estate to get the most out of that customer journey day one that you can so you can afford to pay the most for the customer, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because yeah, the biggest, as we talked about right before this, you know, whoever could pay the most is the one who's going to win. It's mm -hmm. all this race to the largest amount you could pay to acquire. That's right. Um, and really with the invasion and kind of the potential of these large companies that really have not tapped into a lot of the online markets that that we all know really, really well. I mean, that's just the the eight 800 pound gorilla in the room waiting to fall and to start putting those huge dollars in there elevating everything up from a cost level uh, yeah. pretty substantially. And it's yeah. already started to happen. Mm -hmm. um, I think it probably just got accelerated with this whole pandemic thing that happened last year. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have heard about it. Um, so, so that's definitely changing things. But you, and really just so everyone knows too, like Nick's been really a master on CRO and taking people's offers or what people have from a content level and making it even better. And so he's been doing that for years with tons of different clients. I know starting out with just some some kind of influencers and content creators, mm -hmm. but now it's really just anyone with a great product, you're gonna be able to sell more and make more with you. So obviously you have tons of experience in that realm. Um, what I'd really like to do is just talk a little bit about why CRO makes such a big difference. Why is this the thing that's magically yeah. taking these small, you know, good companies to great companies um, yeah. as, you, as you've seen and been a part of. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, we, um, at our agency, we have, you know, a little over 30 clients and, and we're having to buy media for those clients every day in this competitive landscape. And, you know, when um, uh, one of the things that helps our clients continually win is that we're also able to help them with their optimization. So I get a lot of data. It's a nice way of saying I have a big perspective. I got a huge data set to, 
to look at on a daily basis and make decisions on. And it's, uh, you know, that's kind of one of our unfair competitive advantages, if you will, in the, the media buying landscape. It allows us to have an offer that, you know, can outbid the competitor's offer because we're getting a little bit more day one AOV. And there's, I see a lot of people um, not taking advantage of some low hanging fruit opportunities in the CRO department. And, um, and yeah, it is applicable to e-com store owners, you know, uh, direct response funnel owners. It doesn't really matter. Every page where traffic is going to, regardless of traffic source, has an opportunity for optimization. And there's different ways to go about it. There's different technology stacks available to help you do it. Uh, but there's also ways you can just be scra scrappy and do it yourself, you know? So I think yeah. we're going to talk about some of that today. Yeah, I mean, I definitely didn't think you'd come and brag about your large data set. I didn't think it was that kind of podcast, <laughs> but no, I can understand. So, um, but but no, you're, you're totally right. Like a lot of it's very data driven. It yeah. can be, but it doesn't have to, right? Mm -hmm. So I think there's a lot of um, people get caught up in what shade of button color I'm using, which tends to require a ton of mm -hmm. you know data to be able to split test things like that for sometimes not always the largest gains. Um, so you know, understanding it's important but then how do you do it effectively? So yeah. let's talk a little bit more about why it's so important. So I don't know if you could share any examples, maybe some clients you've had where you saw, you brought in CRO yeah. and it really transformed their business. But oh, I'd love to 100%, yeah, that. it happens all the time. I mean, literally this morning, we were reviewing one where we put a OTO split test in place where we were sending 20% uh, of the traffic volume to the uh, control and the remaining 80% to eight different variations that we had created for that OTO. And uh, we're about a week in, and so from statistical significance standpoint, we're starting to get closer to that point. Um, but our, our variations that we created are swinging that OTO performance on the low end at 234%, and our best variation at 638% increase in performance. And it's little things actually on the page that are driving those swings. Um, you know, you can select variables on that page with our with our software. We can, or if the user doesn't have it, that's okay. They can select variables on that page, identify variables to test. So everything on that page is a testable variable, right? Headline, uh, even above the headline, the header, the header yep. image, the the hero image above the fold, the text below the fold, the calls to actions on the buttons, as you mentioned, even the shade of the buttons. <laughs> and all of those things have a potential swing in performance, but some have a potential swing in performance that's much bigger than others. Generally speaking, above the fold is the most uh, valuable real estate to be testing. That's where you're gonna get those two to 600% increases in performance is in those big changes above the fold. You're not gonna get that by changing the shade of the button color, right? Like yeah. you mentioned before. Yeah, if so. no one looks at the button, it's gonna be hard to figure yeah. out if it's making a difference. <laughs> totally, so. totally. So, uh, going back kind of, um, cause we'll cover some terms in terms of statistical significance, make sure that everyone understands that when we get mm -hmm. into the kind of how-to section of this and mm -hmm. especially probably some of the, the selection of where to focus on yeah. um, as you already alluded to. But I think the why going back to that, I just wanna highlight like 600%, over a 600% improvement mm -hmm. on the high side yeah. of a funnel or on the bottom, the bottom, it was 230 is what yeah. you said? Yeah. That's crazy, right? Mm -hmm. At the bottom level performance, getting a 230% lift in your funnel. Mm -hmm. I mean, that could be the difference between, hey, six figures middling and right. we're talking an eight figure dynasty of a business. You know, that's a really good point to bring up and help the folks listening to understand that a, a it, let's say the 200% represented a $10 lift in AOV in that slot in the funnel. 
a $10 lift in AOV is not just 10 more bucks in AOV. That could be the difference in you being able to pay that affiliate or pay that traffic source, you know, uh, $60 versus $70 to acquire that customer, right? Mm -hmm. And that $10 difference might be the difference in getting all of that affiliate's traffic. Yeah. Not just a little bit of their traffic. That might be the difference in scaling, like you mentioned, from six figures to seven or from seven to eight. Mm -hmm. So it's not, you know, th those levers are so big. And yeah, at 600%, you know, that, that's, that's a huge increase. Obviously that's a, that's a game changer. Uh, and we, we don't always get 600% increases with the, the split tests that we do, but even a 20% lift in performance is a big deal. Uh, an extra two bucks to get your media buyer, like in that step, an extra two bucks can make a big difference in your ability to scale the offer. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, two bucks could be the difference between five figure spend and six figure spend on a daily basis. Absolutely. Um, depending on where your CPA already is. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I could tell you just from experiences, you know, seeing it with offers that we have, you make a minor improvement on that AOV, um, but it's a catastrophically huge improvement towards, hey, we can now hit margin and push tons of money into this. Mm -hmm. That that's that changes businesses overnight. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, I think when we kind of go back to this, like a good idea becomes a great idea or a good product becomes a great product, not necessarily just through marketing, but through CRO, right? Yeah. That's really what changes it. And so if you're listening, you're not sure how to do CRO or you think it's not necessarily important to your business, just stop, stop that, right? It's probably one of the most important things to your business if you've had some level of success. Mm -hmm. Something that says this offers here, we assume you have that, we assume that's why you're listening, um, and CRO is gonna be the difference um, in really transforming that. So now let's talk about how you go about setting it up. Because I know you're obviously an expert in this, you've done it more than the average person, the above average mm -hmm. person, right? Like mm -hmm. definitely really reach those uh, 10,000 master levels for it. So walk me through how you guys go about when you get a new client and make a decision of what to test first. Oh yeah, it's a great question. So we always like to go for that, I mentioned a little earlier, low hanging fruit, right? Mm -hmm. So we have certain baseline metrics that we want a funnel to hit. And obviously all funnel types are different on these metrics. We probably don't have the time to dive into the different metrics specifically for every different funnel type. Yeah. Um, but you know, for example, a free plus shipping offer versus a VSL type $37 front end offer, or, you know, and I could go on and on all the different offer types. Those are all gonna have different baseline metrics that we're looking for to be hitting at each step. And that's usually where we're dialing in on you know, oh, that is way off. The mm -hmm. click-through rate from sales page to order form, for example, is way off. We need to work on getting more people from the sales page to the order form, right? So there are some tools that people can use that aren't very expensive to help them if that specifically is their problem, right? Uh, or any of their pages. Um, they can use tools like Lucky, Jar Lucky Orange or Hotjar, place that on the page. That'll track the user behavior on the page, record the sessions, and they'll be able to see where people are, are bailing, basically, right? And when that happens, when you see where people are bailing off the page, you can insert different parts, uh, uh, you know, different uh, creatives and copy into that page at those steps where you're getting a lot of people bailing to keep them engaged. Mm -hmm. If it's a long form sales letter, to keep them reading down the page, get them further down the page, more invested, more enrolled, right? Um, if it's a VSL, keeping them on the page longer, right? So it could be instead of 
uh, a long form piece, you want to insert a testimonial into the VSL at the point where you have massive drop off, which you can look in your video uh, analytics to determine, right? Mm -hmm. You might want to rehook them, re-engage them at that drop off point. If you see that graph on the video views and it's, it's not just like a nice slow line all the way to the end. Somewhere in that line, there's like a steep cliff that drops. Yeah. Then you know, okay, hey, that's a room for improvement because it should be a kind of a gradual decline to the end of the video. Mm -hmm. And any jagged lines in that graph, those are things you should be paying attention to going into the video and saying, what can I put here in the video that will re-engage them and keep them watching? Yeah, yeah, and that way it makes it obvious, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes the selection phase could be challenging with CRO, but you see some sort of steep drop off or in hot jar, you see that no one gets past like your first sub headline. Mm -hmm. Well, it's like, great, now I know where to focus on. And then you could retest again to see if it makes an improvement and so on and so forth. So mm -hmm. one of the other big ones that I think is probably harder to find is the idea of that benchmark data. Mm -hmm. So having benchmark data to look at a, look at a funnel and say, okay, the health is good or it's not good and here's where it's not good. Mm -hmm. And so now we could go and structure that. So for people that maybe don't have access to that data, um, how would they go about maybe benchmarking? Are there maybe tools, resources, yeah. or things that you would recommend for that? Um, there's, there's not really a lot of tools out there for it, to be honest with you, but as a general rule of thumb, your upsell flow, right? Uh, and this is germane to ClickBank and your, you know, mm -hmm. your clientele. Um, your upsell flow should at least be bringing 2x what your front end price point is on the funnel. Probably 3x is the goal, but at least two. If it's not at least two, it's you got a bleeding problem that you need to fix, right? Mm -hmm. If your front end's 30 bucks and your upsell flow is not getting you at least another 30 bucks, uh, not 2x your front end price, you know, then, then that's a problem, right? Mm -hmm. So um, we like offers to generally do 3x their front end price. That's what we're trying to go for at minimum. That's mm -hmm. what we're after, right? So if you're not there, you have massive room for improvement. Uh, and that would be an indicator likely that from an average order value standpoint, I would be focusing on areas of real estate like an order bump or my OTOs up, down, et cetera, to get more juice out of that upsell flow so that you're lifting that AOV to an acceptable benchmark. Yeah. So it really sounds like, to me, like if you're not sure where to start, resources are going to people like you that are producing content, going mm -hmm. to, you know, ClickBank has some stuff, Facebook groups, mentors, people that already know. This is where bringing that value of experience could be huge. 100%. I'd say, there's, I'd say, oh, there, go ahead. There's some amazing Facebook groups out there that yeah. like have great people, if, and everybody loves to help somebody. And it, I, one thing I would really encourage folks, if you're having a question, literally say, I need help. Guys, I need help. <laughs> yeah. When you, the power of asking for help is unbelievable and people will jump to help you. Yeah. Right. So if you're in a group and you say, I need help, I don't know if this upsell value is 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 enough or if I've reached a point of diminishing return where I shouldn't really focus on that anymore. Mm -hmm. Odds are there's somebody in that group that has been there and done that. I can help them. Yeah, 100 percent, 100 percent agree. And mm -hmm. so um, one thing I was also going to say for anyone that's a ClickBank client and you're at the platinum level and you're listening to this reach out to your account manager. Mm -hmm. um, we have access to tons of benchmarking data. So true. Um, and so we can't obviously always tell you specifics, top offers, but I could go and say, hey, here's all the supplements over the last year 
um, that have been able to generate X level of revenue. Now let's aggregate that data and I could tell you where you are based on those averages. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that, that that's another place that for platinum members could be hugely beneficial. And I encourage you to talk to your account managers. One thing that we don't have to go off on this, but we definitely need to talk sometime because we actually did a um, last year, we did a study on supplement offers um, on our platform. Uh, the, the really just mentioned we found completely was not holding true were top supplement offers. Their first initial um, AOV or that first offer represented about 81% of the overall offers AOV. Mm -hmm. So they're normally getting like between we, I think it was 170 was the average on the initial. And then you'd get like a 210 AOV. So it was like, well, that's so weird on the back end. Sorry, we'll, have, right. to, we'll have to talk that, about that on those. That's so, just so a weird true. One. And that, that goes back to my original comment about like, offer type. Right? You're right. It's totally uh, that different. That was an info product funnel yep. metric that I was mentioning. There. Yeah. And that holds true in, a, in info products, at least in our ecosystem. I would agree. Yeah, definitely yeah. with info products. We've seen that and I could look at the data in the back end and totally backs that out. Mm -hmm. I just thought it's, it's just interesting to bring up and go like, hey, that's a very true rule. But boy, that's totally different on different. Funnels. You're absolutely yeah. right. No. And, and, and yeah, that you're 100% right on the supplement funnels that we run mm -hmm. media on. It's the same thing. Yep. You know, you're getting a lot of that lift out of that, that three or six bottle taker out of the mm -hmm. one, three, six option. And then the upsell flow is doing a little bit more work yeah. for you. Yeah. yeah. So if you had an AOV problem that you'd probably be like, oh, what's my take rate on my front? Like bundles, who's yep. take, what are those distributions? Like? Yes, yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> how do I get people to click on the six bottle yeah. more often? And how yeah. do I get people to, uh, uh, go from that sales page to that order form more often? It's in the front end of the offer for those that are a little bit newer to CRO, uh, the metrics on the front end are, you know, that affect your conversion rate are your click through rate from your sales page to your order form. And then obviously your order form conversion rate, those mm -hmm. two things, you know, generally inform your conversion rate of your offer overall. Yep. And then AOV is done with the, uh, like we mentioned, the uh, quantity takes on the front end, mm -hmm. the order bump and the upsells and downsells, obviously. Yeah. And that's where the AOV is boosted. So, you know, you can optimize obviously for both. Um, I like to optimize, you know, again, wherever it is needed most at first. If, yeah. if, their, if their conversion rate on their offer is really bad, that's the area you need to, it doesn't matter if you have the most, you know, gangster upsell flow in the world, if you're not getting people to buy your product, yeah. right? So. Well, and yeah. I would even argue that that's a false AOV that you're getting. If the only people that are buying basically would have bought it no matter what you said, they're just the hyperactive buyers, mm -hmm. right? So if you're getting low conversions and they're like, oh, my AOV is great. It's like, oh, your AOV is probably not real because mm -hmm. it's definitely not at scale. Definitely. So, yeah. um, no, that, that's a great point. I think what I really want to round out this is I think one thing is super important if you don't have the tools or experience or whatever, is go out and find somebody that does. I think that network, mm -hmm. in terms of knowing how those benchmarks or maybe that where the leaks might be, yeah. is huge with being efficient with yep. your CRO. Absolutely. So if you feel like you're getting stuck in that point, find somebody else, get help, um, get somebody to talk to you, get some more data that can really help make sure that you're you're focusing where you need to be, which definitely seems super key. So, Absolutely. so once you have that identified, whether whatever part it might be, um, what do you do next? How do you come up with ideas on what you want to test and change in those yeah. variants? Great, great question. So for us, it's always, you know, uh, a top down approach to optimization, because okay. like we mentioned before, the top of the page has the biggest potential swing in performance. Yeah. So we take a top down approach to CRO. So it's uh, on the page. We're literally taking the very top of the page, which is the header image or the header first, mm -hmm. and then what follows to the first fold. Uh, you might have a headline, you might have a subheadline, you might have a hero image. These are all areas of real estate that can be tested. Mm -hmm. um, 
header, by the way, a lot of people don't test headers very often, but it has a huge potential for swing on the page. Uh, we've had one the other day where we swung performance 110% on an OTO just by changing the header. Right? Really? Um, and, you're, yeah. and you're not talking the headline. You're just saying the, the very header, top of the page. The, the header. actual wow. header image, you know, the header on the yeah. page, your logo, your customer service number. Uh, you know, we, in this particular one, we pinned an add to cart um, call to action button hmm. in the header. So on scroll throughout the page at any point in time, they could hit add to cart and be taken down to those supplement buy boxes that we talked about before, the 136 option. And it just gave the consumer a chance to do that sooner when they were ready to do it yeah. versus us guessing to put the buy button you know, two thirds down the page or all the way at the bottom of the page, right? So yeah. that was an example of how just changing a header completely shifted the performance of that yeah, particular no. um, step in the funnel. Yeah, I find that really interesting, especially that particular change, mm -hmm. um, because it's so often, I think a lot of times that depends on traffic source, but you know, that's a change too, I've seen have the reverse effect, right? It can. So that that's super great to know, you know, you gotta test, you gotta try, but um, you're totally right. The header is not changed enough. I think people just focus no, on headlines. They do. Or yeah. hero image. I mean, mm -hmm. do you find that, that just random question, I know this isn't like but podcast, you're right. So do you find that you get bigger gains from image changes versus text changes? Is it just kind of, it's, hmm. it's, there's no hard, fast rule? Um, it's actually, so what a lot of people don't understand is there's actually a relation between those elements. It's relational. Gotcha. Um, so it could be the recipe above the fold is off, meaning, mm -hmm. The headline, subheadline, and hero image combination, ah. it's like a page recipe. Think about it like yeah. that, right? And there's all different ways that you could make combinations of those elements mm -hmm. and create a variation of that page to test. Let's say you have three headlines, three subheadlines, and three hero images, ideas that you want to test. Yeah, There's 27 possible variations there for you to test just with those three elements above the fold but the relation of those elements is what's so crazy. I've taken headlines, for example, a headline winner, and paired it with the pre-existing subheadline winner that I had you know, from a, from a former test, right? Mm -hmm. And a new, uh, um, and the same hero image that won from a former test. And those three things together don't, work in perfect harmony and the, the test, uh, logically you'd think it would be the best of the best of the best. Yeah. Here was the best hero image I ever tested. Here's the best subheadline I ever tested. Here's the best headline yeah. I ever tested. It's like the Brooklyn Nets, right? Yeah. We just made a super team. Exactly. Think, so right? you're like, this is it, this is it. And you launch it and it, it tanks. But it's because, and a lot of people in CRO don't understand this, there's a relationship between those elements on the page and how they affect the consumer's behavior is as a package deal, it's as a recipe, mm. right? So yeah. testing those different recipes is really important. Um, for example, when we run a, we call it a smart relational split test, we'll have you know, always a percentage of traffic to the control mm -hmm. to keep the integrity of the test intact. And then we're sending, you know, every other visitor, you know, to those different variations. So it's same traffic source, you know, all of that. In a perfect world, if you have the tech to pull that off, that's the best way to test. Yep. Um, and we will find page recipes, oftentimes that make no sense. That that literally because the way that our system put it together algorithmically, because our system actually dynamically will pick those those recipes to put together. It will test things that as a CRO guy, 
that's like been doing this for a very long time, I would never <laughs> think to test. Yeah. And the winners sometimes blow my mind because sometimes the headline and the subheadline don't even like make sense together. Really? You know, I, cause Can you think th of any examples? Do you have any off the top of your head? I hate to put you on the Dude, spot Dude, I that. cannot right off the top of my head. I yeah. can't whip it right out. But it's like, um, imagine, so normally like a headline and a subheadline. is going to flow. Normally you like it to flow, yeah. right? Your headline maybe states the problem and the subheadline agitates the problem, yeah. for example, right? Well, what if the agitating piece had nothing to do with the primary problem? Let's say you, you want to test five primary problem headlines mm -hmm. that your product solves for, right? So... Let's say you want to test it, uh, you know, that you want to shed fat, you want to melt fat, you mm -hmm. want to, um, you want to, uh, maybe the inverse, you want to look better, feel better, you want to do some positive yep. headlines, right? And then your sub-headlines, let's say you're testing a bunch of supporting copy for, for a specific headline that you wrote, and there's a, another headline in there that the system tests that where the sub-headline makes no sense. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that will win. It's crazy. it's crazy. It's crazy. So that's why I say, and I have a lot of data to support this, it's the relationship of those things together yeah. that actually creates a superior outcome. Yeah. And, and so that really expands even to the whole page, right? So it's one mm -hmm. of those things when you get, it can get really complicated, right? When you start getting multivariant and how these things relationally work mm -hmm. and a good idea from one funnel does not translate to a good idea to another. Not and, at and all. And part in the page. So, you know, this is one of these things where you, you got to almost step carefully at times, mm -hmm. but not be afraid to fail because you got to yeah. try a lot of stuff. Sure. Absolutely. That's the big thing. Let the data decide, right? Mm -hmm. If you've got the data flowing through the funnel and it's consistent data, which is preferable, um, meaning same traffic source, for example, um, if you can keep some consistent data flowing through in order to optimize, that's best because you've mm -hmm. got no noise in the test then, right? Yeah. Uh, for example, if you're running affiliate drops and you've got affiliate A today, affiliate B tomorrow, affiliate C the next day, those lists aren't created equal. That traffic's mm -hmm. not created equal. And if you're trying to optimize off of like a single day's traffic, you're going to get outlying results that really aren't statistically significant or don't mm -hmm. matter because now, if you ran that test or that, those series of tests over the course of two weeks and there was a, several different affiliates that promoted it, now you've got enough data probably in a cluster to start making some decisions. Some directional data is going to line up because you've flattened the curve of yeah. a, a, a little bit. Yeah, which is what I do would imagine during CRO having a paid media source to test on is so much nicer it because really of is. that. It's just consistency. It really is. It's yeah. control. Uh, I mean, I'm always a, a prefer with clients, test in-house if you can. That's the uh, best way to do it. Because yeah. as soon as you get affiliates in there, one, it's not great for them. It's great if you win, but that also means that they're getting less than what they could somehow. So most mm -hmm. affiliates don't love that unless you have great partnerships with them. But of course, do what you can. You have to go with what you got, not what you want sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I know that's a big one. So circling back though, um, so you kind of go through and you're looking at kind of these these packages, these bundles, and these, you know, okay, we know that it's top of the phone, we know this is the area that's the leakiest the most. Yep. When you're brainstorming these ideas, how do you guys go about just coming up with stuff? Is it just experience? Are you looking at other funnels that are successful and trying to pull, ins pull inspiration? Yeah. How's the kind of idea creation? Yeah, happen? so that's a good question. We've got a whole system and process in our company in that division that, that it goes through. And uh, essentially it all starts though with market research, deep market research. Okay. So we are, we are researching um, that product or service that we're promoting. 
Uh, we're researching competitors in the marketplace. We're, we're researching blogs and forums that uh, people are on talking about those problems that that product or service might solve for. Nice. So let's say it's uh, weight loss. We're gonna go on forums where there's people talking about weight loss and we're gonna look at all of their dialogue and all the things that they're saying. Uh, Reddit, uh, if you guys have never looked on, on Reddit before, has some amazing uh, groups all dedicated to pretty much every problem in the world you can think of. Yeah. If your product or service solves for one of those problems, you just, just Google it, diabetes, whatever it is, and you're gonna see a whole forum of people that have that problem talking about that problem. Mm -hmm. And it's gonna provide a lot of creative inspiration for you. Um, I like to also break down the page, it's super simple. Uh, you could do it in the beginning, again, we use software, but you can do it with a Google Doc. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, take a, uh, there's a uh, screen snipping tool or something along those lines that yeah. will take a picture of the entire web page, mm -hmm. okay? And then you just take and you draw boxes around the elements that you want to test. Yeah. Headline, subheadline, header, hero image, uh, below the fold, button, all the different things that you could ever think you would want to test on that page. Like I said, go top down mm -hmm. on the page and start ideating on different things to put in those spaces on the page in a Google Doc. And you're like, test one, test two, test three. And you start lining out and planning out the tests that you're gonna do that way, just in a simple Google Doc. Yeah, do you try to give yourself like a, a count? And I'd say, I'm sure you guys could probably, with your software, could absorb a lot more variants and mm -hmm. variations than maybe somebody who's just you know doing it on their own. So do you kind of give yourself an idea of like how many you would actually plan for before you just say, all right, I probably should stop. Cause I can yeah, imagine- no more than three. No don't, more than three? Don't okay. test, don't, don't, and especially if you're new and or you're not really sophisticated with CRO, don't even go below the fold for the most part. Stay above the fold. That's where you're gonna get your big, huge swings in performance. Nice. So, you know, really there is gonna be the, the most meaningful use of your time. Yeah, yeah. But even on, and the other side of that though is it should just be above the fold and if you have the data, wherever that leak represents itself. Correct, absolutely. So, yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's, that's huge. Three, that's good. I know I remember one time building like 15 out just like scheduling it for yeah. weeks on end. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, that's, and obviously again, but that takes a level of sophistication. Yeah. And if you're there, great. But even that is a little bit, can be a little bit dangerous to go that far out because you might get data in test three or four the that now one. that changes what you want to redesign for the remainder of yeah. the tests. When you just talked about two, it's the relation. Correct. So if I'm thinking 15 at once, like that relation will change so much. What I, you wanted to test before might could be completely irrelevant. 100%. So I'm actually hearing this and was like, total mistake. You just got to do, <laughs> do one load, what you could do at that time, what yep. you could reasonably test yep. and just reevaluate the process is what I'm hearing from you. So I'm learning with everyone here, cool. right? Yeah, cool, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's, so once you have it selected, you've decided you got your variants, you've gone through, um, you're ready to go. So it's time to actually apply a test. So to walk through that process, how you guys go about and what you'd recommend with with now going out and making it happen. Yeah, absolutely. So it depends on the technology, obviously platform that they're on, on the how-to yeah. piece, right? Because people have different tech stacks mm -hmm. and, and there's a lot of different ways to go about it. But as far as the how-to is concerned, um, normally for somebody that doesn't have, again, a tech stack that's very sophisticated, I would just recommend an AB, a simple AB test format. Mm -hmm. You want part of the traffic to go to your control always and part of your traffic to go to your variant. Um, do you think that should always be 50-50 or do you kind of go off more like a 
2575? It depends on, that's a great question. It depends on how fast you want to make a decision. Gotcha. Because how fast you want to reach statistical significance, right? Awesome. So we're definitely going to have a big conversation about statistical significance. Yeah. I think it's a big question for a lot of people, but yep. I'll let you finish your thought. Yeah, absolutely. So it just depends on how fast you want the data. So, okay. and every business owner is different. You know, they, they're okay with, even if a test tanks, they're okay with, you know, letting 100% of the traffic on that test tank because maybe they've got deeper pockets. They're okay with that, right? But they mm -hmm. want to get to that answer faster. They want to know tomorrow or the next day with those five or 600 visitors. Right. They, they want to get to that number as fast as they can. So yeah. they'll, they'll throttle all their traffic to it. Um, if you don't have a lot of traffic, if you're getting like, you know, 10, 20 sales a day, that might influence that decision. You might want to put more more 80% of the traffic on the variation to try to get to that answer sooner. Otherwise, you're going to let that thing limp along forever until it reaches statistical significance before you can make a decision. Definitely. So so in terms of A-B split testing, is there some software or things that you've used for just simple stuff, maybe when you're first starting out versus... And then I'd love for you to share some of the advanced things that you use as well, because mm -hmm. obviously we're not talking about multivariant, but yeah. multivariant's huge, especially if you, if you have the ability to start there, you should, right? Uh, absolutely, yeah. And uh, and and again, like we talked about, it's the smart relational multivariant yeah, testing, yeah, yeah. which okay. uh, is, is pretty unique to us. But um, what I would say is that uh, VWO um, and CB Split um, are great tools that anybody can go off the shelf and go purchase, and they're pretty intuitive to run, and they can, they're pretty agnostic in terms of uh, where your tech stack resides, uh, whether you're built in Shopify or ClickFunnels or WordPress or whatever, you know, you mm -hmm. can usually make it work in those types of platforms. Um, as far as upsells are concerned, most of the time the platform that you're in, in your case, ClickBank has the ability, right, to split mm -hmm. test uh, in the upsell flow. So, you know, send a certain portion of your tra traffic to this version versus that version, right? Yeah. We don't have that. Oh, you don't have that? No, no, oh, we don't. Bad. I thought I you guys say, released that. That's just in CB Split then. Yeah, that's just in CB Split. Uh, my so, bad. okay. Great plug for CB Split, though, yes. which is an awesome tool for doing exactly what you're describing. Yes. Um, and it's something that we've talked about and is definitely in the. It's on a roadmap somewhere of something we'd like to potentially do at some point in time. Sure. But but yeah, CB Split's doing it right now, mm -hmm. and it's and it's I don't it's not too hard to utilize and set up CB Split no. as well, which no. is great. It's it's a really great tool if if yeah. somebody wants to you know roll up their sleeves and get their hands dirty and start doing C, uh, CRO themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Because mm -hmm. um, I'd say I know I've used like Google Optimize, which isn't bad, but it, it takes a lot to really get it working. It's not very you. intuitive. Yeah, it's not very intuitive. And it's it's clunky. And it's tough to use. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, yeah it's not easy. I mean, if you just want free, you know, it's there. Um, and it could be a source. But you're right. It's it, it, yep. not like CB split or or, um, or even ClickFunnels. I mean, yeah. you can host the page in ClickFunnels and yeah. you can say put X percent of the traffic to the upsell. Your upsell flow pages can be hosted mm -hmm. there and you can split the traffic at whatever percent you want using yeah. their UI. Yeah, yeah. That, no, that's, a, that's a great plug for, you know, a really nice funnel builder to be able to do mm -hmm. that with. So, Absolutely. so awesome. So now we, we have it set up. It's running Traffic's Live. This is a perfect time to talk about this word that's been out there multiple times statistical significance. And so talk a little about what that means and really what it comes down to. How do you know if it won or not? And how do you evaluate the results and when you stop and actually look at it? Yeah, that's a good question. So, um, and I know there's a lot there, so spend as much time breaking in. There's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. A lot to unpack there. So um, 
and I will also say that it's very um, subjective a little bit too, in the sense that different people have very strong opinions on what means statistical significance in their business. Yes, you know? that is true. Um, so, and they're not all necessarily wrong. Here is the sort of, the in the beginning, if you have a massive outlier in performance, and even if you don't have statistical significance, and I'll get into the statistical significance numbers you asked about, you can call a test early, right? Yeah. If you have a runaway difference, like the test I mentioned earlier today, where we're beating their control by 600%, even if there's only, let's say, 30 visitors to each variant, that's not statistically significant. But if I know that my control is being beat by all of the variants I've created by at least two or 300%, odds are, by calling, not even calling the test, but just eliminating the control and letting more traffic flow to those other variants, odds are it's not gonna lose, right? Yeah. Odds are it's gonna hold. Um, it's tough when you don't, when you see 10, 20% differences in CRO, you gotta let those run because who knows how they're gonna last, how, how they're gonna finish out. But if you're talking two, three, 400%, 600% increases, you don't have to let those run 600 visitors, you know, you don't have to get to that point. Um, in our software, we set statistical or, significance. Or, or the inverse, right? So the, the flip side is if it's, it's getting crushed, like it sucks. Totally. You don't need to wait and see it suck no. more. Just yeah, yeah. stop and say, okay. Yeah, exactly, because that, you're bleeding then, yeah. right? So yeah, it's a great point if it, it, the inverse is true. So I think, um, you know, early on, big outliers, if you have big performance swings at even as little as I would say 30 visitors to a variation, you can call those tests early. Odds are it's not gonna be worse yeah. than what you had before, right? Yeah. So call it a winner and throttle all the traffic to it and enjoy the fruit of that labor <laughs> and, uh, and then see where it flushes out. You'll know the numbers from the old one, yeah. right? You'll have that in your historical data. So you'll be able to see, okay, the old one was here. And then when it does reach statistical significance, you can make the call on how much increase you got, mm -hmm. uh, but odds are it's not going to be worse. Yeah, right. Yeah, don't so, don't hold back when it's already good. Like, exactly. Just embrace it. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So for that reason, we usually say if you're going to call a test early like that, if it's more than 100% delta, mm -hmm. we'll call a test as early as 30 visitors uh, to a variant. Nice. Um, because again, like I said, odds are it's not yeah. going to be worse. Yeah, that's where that big data really plays a role because I think that that helps mitigate the risk factor of feeling comfortable doing that. I imagine. It does absolutely. Now, I think a key component though, you're not saying decide, declare it a winner. It's just throttle the traffic and then still get to statistical significance. Evaluate how much it won. Hundred percent. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. I, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, that's beautiful. Okay, so I, I love that. That's a great tip. Um, mm -hmm. So let's talk about statistical significance now. For whatever yep. reason, is like a super hard phrase to say, statistical significance. There you <laughs> right? go, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so talk a little about that because we've – what is it for you? What's your methodology that says that this is significant? Because I've seen people use mathematical formulas, look really fancy. Other people, it's almost like this – once I hit 250, that's it. You know, like there's obviously a whole range yeah. of what that looks like yeah. for people. Again, that's what I said in the beginning. Yeah. It's somewhat subjective. For us, statistical significance is 600 visitors. Okay. Um, that's... Uh, so you're just going page views then? Like yes. Clicks, essentially. Okay. 600 visitors uh, to a page usually for us will bring us statistical significance. Um, I can't think of an instance where we've gotten to that point and made a decision. 
and it's backslid and bit us because we always review our data backwards, just mm -hmm. like I was talking about earlier when you call a test early. Even when you call a test when it reaches your statistical significance, you should continue to benchmark that. Now, what is your control mm -hmm. over time to make sure that it's not backsliding beyond what your original one was, yeah. right? That's how you make sure you lock in statistical significance. But if you've ever seen the movie Multiplicity, <laughs> where like the clone of the clone yeah, of the clone gets yeah. worse and worse and worse yep, each yep. time, right? So what I would encourage everybody to do is keep the data of your previous performers. Um, for this in the beginning, if you're new to it, or even if you're not new to it, um, you can create a Google Sheet, and every single week you make notes of what you changed and make notes of the results on what you called for the winner, and you keep going down the line, week over week. And you just put the new week, copy and paste that data set, to the top of the sheet, update the next week. And week over week, you keep a running tally then of everything that you've done. That way, if you do reach a point with your control after you thought it hit statistical significance and it did backslide on you, you can revert back to you know weeks prior to yeah. the variation that was better. Yeah, I mean, that that really prevents you from, um, I know Perry called it over-optimizing offer. Correct. You optimize the hell out of it. Or I think the other risk is, you could have a winner that's topical and you might not have been aware it was topical. There could mm -hmm. have been some outside factor that that struck a chord with and it hit like wildfire, but it became irrelevant two weeks later. And 100%. now you're like, yep. I, I'll be honest, I, I wasn't doing that in my prior businesses and like mm -hmm. what a smart idea because it backslides. If you're not doing that, you might not even know. You might not remember. If yeah. you're running a test every week and you want oh, yeah. to go back to what you did even five weeks ago, are you going to remember what five weeks no ago's way. version was? Yeah, no, no. So just keep it running total. And sometimes if, if it helps you, take a screenshot of the page too, right? Mm. Uh, to, and keep that in that Excel log of every single week. Make some notes to what you did. Doesn't take long. You're talking about maybe 10, 15 minutes of work to yeah. like create that snapshot every week and then you can revert back if yeah. you do something that bites you. Hell, have a VA do it if it's so hard for you. I mean, totally. that seems yeah. totally easy to do. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So, so you have that, you record it, um, it in 600 views for you. Um, how, and you have that log afterwards. So gosh, I think that's it. I just was making sure we didn't miss anything yeah. that you were trying to cover. No, that's it. Yeah, yeah so. that's it. I think, you know, people, I, I think as a rule, people really get you know intimidated or overcomplicate CRO, and it's it while it is complicated, it can be done in sort of a caveman way, like we discussed today, mm -hmm. and it's not really that complicated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of it, I think is maybe keeping organized is a big piece. Big you piece. You got to keep very organized. You do. And intentional. That's what I'm hearing from this. Like, be very intentional and thoughtful in mm -hmm. your split test. Don't grab something you heard a mastermind and just force it in as a change and they get frustrated when it doesn't work. Like mm -hmm. be more intentional, thoughtful, and organized as you go about. So, um, you know, we covered a lot of kind of the process of what you need to do to, to do this bare bones, start making a difference in your business. But you mentioned been doing this a long time. I'm sure there's a ton of mistakes that you can make that we did not cover in there. So oh, yeah. <laughs> what are some of just the pitfalls and the nightmares that you would, if you could go back and tell your, your baby self, your pre-beard, baby self getting into CRO, like some things to avoid in mistakes that people commonly make that, that you wish you, they wouldn't. Yeah, um, I, I think, again, it's not being, um, uh, I'd say a big mistake early on was just the inconsistency of data, which we've covered today, but like the inconsistency of your click data coming in mm -hmm. and making your decisions off of inconsistent data. 
I've d I did that back in the day when I had my own offers that I was running and I would optimize off of affiliate A and then affiliate B would tank and you know. So <laughs> you're I, like, I, I need more affiliate A's now. Yeah, now I've I, just made my traffic source more narrow. Right? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So I think that was definitely for me one of the early, you know, things I stepped in when it comes to CRO. Um, not understanding that there was a relationship between the elements on a page. It took me until honestly the last year of my life to figure that out. I mean, that's a very recent wow. uh, revelation in my world of CRO. Um, and if it wasn't for the software that we have, I would have never had my eyes open to that because Man. again, it'll test things I would never think to test. Um, well, I'll tell you, you're the first I've heard say that, but mm -hmm. when I, when you said it, I was like, that makes so much sense. Like it's like a duh moment, Yeah. which I always think the best changes or the best things to remember the ones you're like, well, no crap. Cause right. we can't swear on this podcast. Totally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I was like, oh yeah. So that, that's a great one. But yeah, I can see why that would be easy to forget about or not. Yeah, realize. absolutely. Um, uh, spending too much time on, you know, areas of the page that are below the fold or making decisions. So that's one. Um, so let's pause on that. So you don't, you guys, I, I don't know anybody that does do this, but you're not probably not spending a lot of time on your deck copy unless like Hotjar tells you this is where everyone's correct. Off. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, so, well, and actually I want to pause and yeah. ask one more on that. So yeah, what about if it's just like an overall funnel, right? Cause I mean, you get lost just optimizing, you know, weird parts, but is there a part where you just say, Hey, I think we just need to try like a whole new lead, a whole new marketing angle. At what point do you decide that maybe it's time to either scrap mm. it and go new product or do a heavy facelift on the offer that you have? Yeah, so um, it brings up a really, you know, when we talk about the relationship of the copy on a page, there's the relationship of the copy on the front end to the overall performance of the entire funnel, right? Mm -hmm. So if you make a big sweeping change on your front end, which is what you're talking about, if you make a big sweeping change on the front end, there's a relationship between the front end page <laughs> and the journey that they have there and the performance mm -hmm. of the remainder of the funnel. Yeah. There's always a relationship at play, which again was one of my huge mistakes early on in CROs, not comprehending or understanding that relationship. In other words, maybe I got siloed and focused on click-through rate from sales page to order form. Mm -hmm. I was hyper-focused on that. Um, but I wasn't really optimizing for the ultimate event, which was the conversion. It could actually be a worse click-through rate on sales page to order form, but a better conversion rate because you're pre-framing the, the, the lesser people that get there in a better way to yeah. buy and they're buying more when they buy. So not just that they bought, but what was the average order value, ultimately the EPC of buyers fed off of that front page. It's, a relation, it's always a relationship. So that's what I didn't understand again, until pretty recently uh, in, in my business. Um, so your question though, more specifically, Kyle, was how do you, uh, sorry, reframe that again? Yeah, how do you know when it's like time to, I don't just know, put a cow it. out to pasture, right? Just like we were talking, it. all right, we need a new marketing hook, whatever, yeah, scrap it. Yeah, so it's when your conversion rate isn't enough. Like when you're, when you know, as a general rule, and of course it's not a hard and fast rule, there's other things that could feed into that decision, but as a hard and, you know, as, as, as hard of a rule as you can do, is mm -hmm. if your conversion rate is just not there, if you're just like not getting enough conversions, you need a new hook mm -hmm. on the front end, most likely, you know, yeah. you need a new hook. Yeah. So that's usually what will inform that. Awesome, that's yeah. good. Oh, and this is actually something I meant to ask earlier, but um, what data do you track to decide a, a test is good. Is it everything? Are you looking at, because just we talked about, it's relational. So instantly my thought is, hey, I might be 
I might be optimizing for um, you know the click through rate from or you know sales page to order form because I want to optimize that. But I'm not just going to look at that number. I'd imagine I'm going to say, okay, that number did improve, but what was my AOV? What was the conversion? Am mm -hmm. I seeing some sort of did yeah. my LTV just drop? Hey, I just noticed that now these buyers away switch ship don't seem to take any of the third party offers we sent them within 15 days. Yeah. So I've dropped my LTV. Like I mean, I feel my my data side, my accounting side goes on fire with all the places to check. Mm -hmm. So I'm just wondering, like, are there is there a set like what do you evaluate to decide a winner? beyond just what you're testing for? Or I, do I normally just stick with day one AOV. Okay. Um, because the when you start getting into the LTV calculations, um, it's, it's a deep, dark ocean that yeah. you can get lost in really fast on making those decisions. But as a rule, you need as much day one AOV as you can to afford to buy the traffic. That's, yeah. that's the, that gives you the money to win the day on Facebook or mm -hmm. that affiliates list or whatever it yeah. is. So we usually make the decisions there at the end of the upsell flow. It's it's all of that data. So let's say you make a change and this gets back into the tactical side on the front end where you're like, mm, that's great lift on my conversion rate and it reaches statistical significance. Um, or even prior to reaching statistical significance, you could do some modeling. I call it the thousand buyer model, right? Mm -hmm. So you just take your results that you're getting and multiply them times a thousand and take your old results that you had at a thousand or multiply if you didn't have a thousand, multiply them at a thousand yep. and model out what what would your business look like with that change in play with those numbers being the case. Mm -hmm. And that's a, a again sort of a caveman way to yeah. approach making that decision. Yeah. No, I and it's a pretty effective way too. Very I effective. Think, I, I love using that too for forecasting mm -hmm. goals in the funnel, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're saying like, ah, my CTR is not where I want to be, maybe sometimes your CTR is, or you're like, you know what, my AOV is pretty good. This is good, but if I got ten more dollars, what does that do to everything else, right? Mm -hmm. What does that do now? I could forecast it out to here's what it does to the funnel, here's what it does to my media buying, and it really helps to yeah. okay, it's maybe it's not necessarily leaky leaks in the funnel, it's where's the best lever to pull in yeah. the funnel. So yeah, no, I think that's fantastic. Asking and, asking your traffic source what they need to crush it is a great place to start too. Yeah, that's a good like, one. Like, are you ten bucks away from yeah. all the scale in the world? Is if you, you know, if one of your big affiliates mails for you and they're like, eh, it was okay, didn't change my life, keep working on it. Ask another, you know, what would change your life? Mm -hmm. Is it another ten dollars? Is it another $20? Like, what would change your life? And then back into understand what metrics are important to that person that's driving you traffic. What metrics are they looking at so that you know what metrics to focus on if you're really trying to win that traffic source? Yeah. 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 yeah and really, CRO based on the traffic source. Mm -hmm. You know, definitely. And I would even say, and we, we've talked about this before, like with affiliates, if you have great big affiliates, don't feel like it's a bad thing to optimize for their traffic alone. Mm -hmm. You know, no one think you're crazy if you're omni-channel and you said, hey, you know, my Facebook funnels look different than my, you know, YouTube funnels. People are like, oh yeah, of course. Well, that's the same with affiliates. They Absolutely. have a different traffic source. So if they're big enough and good enough, find those goals and optimize for them. That, yeah, that could be a great way to expand your current CRO right now and just take that and model it towards traffic specific conversion. hundred percent dupe your funnel for that affiliate and focus on CRO just for yeah. them. It's a great, great way if it's a big enough. And you think about that, right? Like in Facebook, if you're driving a few hundred sales a day, that's a big deal mm -hmm. at, at your targeted numbers. That's you're doing really good on Facebook. If yeah. you're driving a few hundred sales a day yourself with your own house media, mm -hmm. if you have an affiliate that's driving a few hundred sales a day, that's certainly worth 
taking the time to optimize a funnel for them. Yeah, you yeah, know? you should yeah. probably pay attention to that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. um, well, uh, amazing. Any other like just red flags or things you'd tell people just to watch out for? And actually, one thing, um, I'm gonna ask a more specific question, let me scratch that. So I think oftentimes people could hear this and they could quickly get overwhelmed or they quickly think, I gotta go hire somebody or I gotta go find the agency. Um, but I always tell people like that, that could be careful too because CRO almost feels like like Instagram um, organic agencies out there. Everybody thinks they have a plan when really they've executed on one strategy and you get a lot of people that sell a lot of snake oil in the CRO agency world. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about how if somebody decides they wanna go find somebody, how they select the right person mm -hmm. and maybe what makes a great agency. And obviously you are an agency that does that. I'm so somewhat biased. Yeah, yeah, a little bit biased. But, yeah, but I think yeah. at the same time, you seen a lot of people make a lot of mistakes. Yeah, yeah. And so you're probably one of the best people to answer that question as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, one of the things is talk about what it looks like if they don't win for you. What if you don't win? What if you don't beat my control? Mm -hmm. What if, what does this look like if you, you know, when can I expect to have a win? Um, talk to them about some of the things we've talked about on the podcast today, run them through the paces, understand what their knowledge, if they don't sound at least as knowledgeable as we sounded today on this podcast, then uh, after you ask them some of the questions, maybe you heard from us today. Mm -hmm. um, those are all good questions. Great questions that you ask. Great questions that, you know, great answers we provided today. Ask some of those, interview them, you know, and understand like, does this person really have the chops? Are they interviewing? Are they, are they answering my questions the right way? But going back to the, the side of like, what happens if they don't win? I don't ever hear anybody having that conversation with their CRO agency. You know, if you're going to engage a CRO agency and they're going to charge you thousands of dollars a month to do CRO, um, they should have a plan in place to talk about like what does not winning look like, right? Yeah, because that's huge, right? Yeah, you're not hiring somebody to just tell your controls really good. Yeah, because you're, you're looking to say no, no, no. This needs to be better. I have goals. We need to get there. Tell me what happens if you don't. And, yeah. and I agree, that's actually deal making in general mm -hmm. is not talked about enough. It's because yeah. it's not fun, right? No. And I think there's this, uh, it's like, some people think it's the opposite of magical thinking. I was like, no, it's called, well, maybe that's because it's called like reasonable thinking. We should really have reasonable discussions. But you can't win everything all the time. And even in Sierra, as you know, sometimes it just takes time, especially if it's an offer you're not familiar with. Maybe it's a little bit different. Or, you know, it's just you have to be okay to fail in CRO. You're mm -hmm. not going to win all the time. But, boy, you will win, and it'll be amazing when it happens. Sometimes it'll be small. Sometimes it'll be 600, 1,000%. I'm sure you've had multi-thousand percent wins before. We have, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, mean that, that it, th those are outliers. We don't talk yeah. about them a lot because then it sets people's expectations that that's <laughs> going to happen. happen but, but, yeah, I think, you know, hundreds of percent are very common for us. Mm -hmm. I mean, every one of our clients right now that's on CRO at one week or another in our engagement has had some piece of real estate in their funnel, that level of, of increase, it's, it happens a lot. Um, so if you're not with an agent, if you are with a CRO agency and they're not having wins for you, not, they don't have to win every single week, yeah. but I would say at least one good win a month. If they're not producing one good win a month for your business, probably should disengage. Yeah. I, you know, that's, that's probably not the right you know, CRO yeah. agency. Doesn't um, sound like it'd be ROIing if that was the case right off the bat. No, absolutely not. Now, you know, I think it's it's important, like you said, to give a CRO agency a little runway in the front end of things to get a handle on mm -hmm. your business, your perfect customer, all that kind of stuff. But I mean, look, at, at our agency, we guarantee it. First 30 days, if we don't win for you, we give you your money back, 100% refund. So 
I'm confident in my ability that what we do, and if another agency out there is not confident enough to offer some sort of a money back guarantee, they don't, maybe they don't have to be me and offer it all back, but if there's not some level of concession, if they don't win, I mean, you're there to get a win, like you said, right? Um, And so to me, yes, they provided work, but if if they're not winning for you, why are they gonna keep all of the money to get paid to tell you that your control was the best? It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I agree. And you know, you don't really want to pay people to tell you're right. Um, mm-hmm. Like that's that's not what money's for mm-hmm. when you're hiring outside agencies. So, yeah, absolutely. So that's awesome. I think that's just huge because we covered a lot to tell people what to do, but you know, a lot of people just go out towards the agency route and they don't know how to tell if it's good or bad. And great advice, which leads me to the next thing. And you've talked about this, um, but your agency specifically in some really amazing software. So I just thought this sounded cool as hell when you were telling me. So yeah. I'd love if you could just talk a little bit about what you guys are using that's really even taking your CRO to a whole different level yeah, with the absolutely. software. Absolutely. Yeah, so uh, the the software that we have on the back end is um, uh, it's AI driven. And so really the biggest differentiator, there's split testing tools out there. We named them, right? Yep. VWO, CB splits, things like this that offer the ability to split test. But it takes your brain power and input to decide what to do in there, right? Yeah. And it takes your brain power to make decisions. When does it reach statistical significance? All of these things, right? So our software, uh, it does those decisions for us as an agency. Um, But obviously we have to make all the inputs. That's the human element. We still have copywriters that write the copy. We have an entire um, graphic production division that does all of our video and graphic design and anything that's a visual element on the page that we want to test. But we provide our system with those inputs And then where the AI comes into place, let's say the example I gave previously was that we have three variables on the page we want to test and three different variations of each of those variables. Mm -hmm. That's 27 different possible page recipes that we could create with that page. What our software does is it actually will uh, determine what are the eight most likely recipes that will win. And it's gathering all this data, all this data we push through it, it gets better and better and better with time. The software has been around for years. um, And, uh, you know, we, we've just sort of like, we're perfecting it, right? And uh, it's changed the game. It it creates, like I said, because it's making decisions I would never make. Yeah. And And it's not, it's objective sort of machine decisions, not human decisions, which are inherently can be flawed. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it has no biases, which Correct. obviously from a creativity standpoint still matter, and that that's where your inputs play a role. Um, but like you said, you know, it, it has data that this big old data set that your brain can't process in an instant, absolutely, and then not. reference data for yeah. it and say, oh yes, this is based on this and this and this. So, yep. um, you know, that sounds that sounds amazing. So obviously, it's getting great gains. I think what's important too here is so. If anyone hears that and they say, man, I really want to talk to Nick about this. I just want to talk to him about CRO or just work with you guys. How does somebody get a hold of you? Or maybe um, are are there places they could follow for more content from you? Yeah, um, I'm horrible about producing content. Um, (laughs) So there's probably not a great place other than maybe our uh, Sawtooth Media Group Facebook page where we do put out uh, daily content there. 
Um, but I would say if you want to get in touch with me, I'm really good about jumping on the phone with people. So, um, you know, we can schedule a call. The best way to do that is just to go to our website, sawtoothmediagroup.com, fill out a contact form, state what your, you know, there's a couple questions you have to answer there and uh, that'll filter its way to me through our, our business department. And, um, you know, we can schedule a time that works for all of us and jump on a call and talk about it. Perfect. Yeah. That sounds great, man. Well, I really appreciate it today, Nick. And just yeah. to kind of recap for everybody again, like CRO, the most important thing you could really do to focus on transforming your business, whether it's through headwinds or just getting to another level. Um, you know, the process, there's obviously a process to finding the points you need to focus on, make sure they're worthwhile, set up the test and some sort of software that's gonna give you a simple testing. It's hard to summarize all this in one mm -hmm. thing. And then evaluate the results um, in a way that it, that's, this can be permanent and don't just lose them. Keep mm -hmm. evaluating, keep evaluating um, and keep inside the big picture. I will say the one thing for me is that whole relational kind of almost like think about your CRO relationally, mm -hmm. man, that, that matters. That's, it that's does. huge. Um, and easy to forget too, when you mm -hmm. get into the, in the granular details. So yeah. amazing content, really appreciate it. I tell you guys start, doing CRO or hiring somebody else to do it as soon as you can in your business. So um, with that though, have a great rest of your week. Be sure to subscribe, rate, review the podcast, and also um, give Nick a shout out. Start following him on Facebook um, and yeah, send him some forums and get in contact. So, all right, everyone have a great one. Thanks so much. Bye.